0: All right, good morning everyone. So what I wanted to do for our last class today before Pesach, and maybe focus on a, on an interesting theme of the Haggadah, hopefully, did everyone get a sheet? I think they, I there are extras over here, if there are extras up front, if anyone needs. So to focus a little bit on the Haggadah, with what I think is a, is, is an interesting theme that hopefully will help to frame the Tov of Pesach a little bit more for all of us. So let's begin with number one. So the beginning of the Haggadah, so again, remember, we start, halach <laughs> ma'anyod avasana So this is the bread of affliction, our forefathers ate in Egypt. Literally translated, whoever is hungry, let him come and eat. Whoever is in need, let him come and join us for the Pesach Seder. Hashat hacha this year we are here. Loshana haba ba'aret Next year we are in Eretz Israel. Hashata Avdi, this year we are slaves. Lashana bin next year we will be free. It's good, so we're all familiar with this, the beginning part of the Seder. So if I were to ask you, what's strange about this particular section, what would you say? What's strange about this? Yes? Excellent. So question number one is what a strange invitation. Because remember again, when are we reciting Halach ma'anya? When? At at what point in time in the Seder are we studying halach So remember again, you've already made Kiddush, right? So remember again, we're already past the first coast, because remember again, although this year, interestingly enough, the first coast is fascinating from a halachic perspective, because again, it gets into the interesting discussion regarding Yak Nahaz, Ya'in Kiddush Ne'er Zman, which is an interesting discussion in halacha about the order of brachos. You have a lot of things going on. You have regular Kiddush plus you have Avdala. okay. And anyway, we're not getting into that, the point is that the first coast is Kiddish. So by the time I'm reciting Halach Ma'alya, so remember again, it's not just Kiddish. Remember, where, where is this in the Seder? What have I already done? Kadesh, Orchatz, Karpas. So already, again, I, I'm into the Seder already. So it's interesting that when I'm inviting company, I'm already into the Seder. Good. What else is unique? Excellent. Why is it in Aramaic? Remember, again, there are two parts of the Seder that are in Aramaic. What are the two parts? Halach, Ma'anya, and? This will determine, this will tell. This is very telling if you're awake for the end of the Seder or not. Chagad, excellent, right? So it's fascinating that the Savior itself has bookends in Aramaic, right? Halach Ma'anya and Chagad, good. So we've got wine invitation now, why Aramaic, good. What else? Any other questions when you look at this? Yes? you mean I this, so first of all, what does it mean this year we're slaves, right? Again, we understand, certainly there were times throughout Jewish history when that statement was unequivocally true. But what do we do at that Bar Hashem in times when it's not true? Good, excellent. What else? Any other questions on this? So let's begin. Let's begin. So j- just to throw out a couple of other ideas First of all, well, let, let, let's begin to tackle it a little bit. So let's get a little bit of the context. So first of all, the fact that the Haloch Ma'ani is Aramaic, what does it tell you about this particular section? I'm sorry? When it was written. When it was written. Or namely what? That it's an add-on to the Seder. And this, many of the commentaries of the Haggadah point this out. That it was clearly not part of the original Seder experience. Again, by the way, that's the same idea with Hagadya. What is Haggadah about? And you know what what, like, what 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 is that? I mean, I, I understand what it's about, about a guy who purchases a kid for two zoos, but what is it about? Excellent. So Haggadah is a metaphor for gallus. It's a metaphor for gallus, right? The gdi is clawisrel. And again, all of the next subsequent steps are the nations throughout history who have visited difficulties upon us. And that's why, again, at the end of Chagadiyah, which is why we end the Seder with Chagadiyah, right, ultimately, again, mm-hmm. that the Rebun HaShom, the whole message of Chagadiyah is that as crazy as our national existence has been over the last thousands of years, Mashiach is going to come, the Rebun will set everything straight. So we know that Halach in its Aramaic form is also an add-on to the Haggadah. So let's talk about this a little bit. So it's an add-on. So what do you think? So now that we know that it was a part of the Seder, and by the way, I'll point out, the Rambam in Hilchos Chometu, Matzah has a Nusach of the Haggadah. And it's actually fascinating because the Rambam has the Nusach of the Haggadah, as it was done during the times of the Beis HaMikdash, which is really incredible because obviously we know there was a Seder during the times of the Beis HaMikdash as well. You know, sometimes we think that the Seder was just a replacement for the Quran Pesach, but there was a Seder, Bizmana Mikdash as well. And the Rabbim has the Nusach, has the actual verbiage for that particular Seder. It's incredible. And you'll look at the Rabbim and you'll see Halach Ma'anya is not there. Halach Ma'anya comes after the Chorban Beis HaMikdash. So, if I were to ask you, why is Halakh ma'ani here after korban? What role does it serve? What would you say? We have an obligation to do what in the aftermath of the korban beis hamikdash <laughs> to remember that we're in gospels. Is more specific? To remember what? Oh, so beautiful. Hold on to that for just a moment. That again, we always try to remedy the sin aschino, which destroyed the base of English. Excellent. But before we get to that, so remember, we have a general obligation. that whenever we experience simcha, we always remember the korban Beis HaMikdash. This is the Arosh Simcha C concept, we call it. That in order to show that our Simcha is not fully complete in the absence of the Beis HaMikdash, whenever there is a moment of Simcha, we always go ahead and remember the korban. Interestingly enough, the paradigmatic, often, we think the paradigmatic example of this is? Breaking glass. Breaking glass under a Although I think we spoke about this, right? did we speak about this in this class? Maybe, maybe it was a different year. That interestingly enough, that practice of breaking a glass under the chuppah predates the churban. In fact, again, the Gemara Maseches Brachas brings down that originally used to break a glass at a wedding in order to temper the simcha a little bit. That when there was, a f- yeah, we just spoke about this, right? right? With simcha and hololos. I, I think we spoke about this. Right? So, so in, in order to ensure that simcha doesn't turn into hololos, they used to break a very expensive piece of crystal Interestingly enough, after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, the breaking of the glass became also the khorban But in general, there's a concept that we always remember the Korban Beis HaMikdash whenever we celebrate something significant. Which, by the way, this is true of that, for example, there's an interesting halacha, which is that when setting your table, general, when setting your table... We never bring out all of our finery, right? You never bring out all of your silver. You never bring out all of your crystal. You always hold something back. And there's one exception to that rule, which is Leil HaSeder, which is very interesting. Very interesting. Leil HaSeder is the one knight. Where you could bring out anything and everything you want, because again, there's a concept of chirus, concept of expression our freedom. So, in any event, we have an obligation to remember the korban. So, therefore, many of the commentaries on the Haggadah point out that halach ma'anya is there zecher the korban. Now, if I were to ask you, how is halach ma'anya zecher the korban? What would you say? Yes. Excellent, 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 excellent. So therefore, it turns out that when we say, remember, part and parcel of Erev Pesach was the shechting of the Karim Pesach. Karan Pesach could be shechted as of Chatzos, as of midday in Erev Pesach, and you could shech it up until you know nightfall, shkia, not nightfall, but sunset, shkia. Now remember, again, for carbon Pesach, you had to be part of a Chabura. You had to be part of a group, right? And you had to be part of a group at the time that the carbon Pesach was shechted. So interestingly enough, the one thing that you could not have on Pesach night was last minute company which is really an incredible idea. There's no last minute company on the night of the Seder because everyone had to be part of a chabura. So interestingly enough, many of the commentaries on Agad, according to Suli, of Rav Asher Weiss, Shlita from Eretz Yisrael, has a beautiful perush on the called Minchas Asher, and he discusses this concept extensively. And he says, he says that Leila Seder, there's no such thing as drop in company, right? It's not the pshat that you're in shul, you see someone, oh, why, why, why don't you come join us? You weren't allowed to do that Bizman HaMikdash. Everyone had to be part of a pre-existing Chabura. And if for some reason you weren't part of a Chabura, there was no such thing as joining a Chabura that night. If you missed it, unfortunately you missed it. So therefore some posit that this idea of echal. Whoever wants to come and eat, come and eat. Is it a real invitation? It's not a real invitation. How do we know it's not a real invitation by the way? So first alright, who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? You're talking, remember again, this is you have already made Kiddish Kadesh, Urchats, Karpas. It's not like you're going to the door and looking on the street and seeing if anyone needs anything. You're talking to the people who are at your table. The hope is anyone at your table has been what? Has been invited. Right? That, that that would be the hope that, that they're there, they're there with your will, right? They're there with your consent. So who are you talking to? So Arshua, I pause positive. This. this is not a real, this is not an invitation. This is al Lechorban. What this is saying is, you know what's so tragic? That tonight, if I wanted to invite last minute company, I could do so. Why can I do so? Why? Because there's no carbon Pesach. And therefore, ultimately, again, this is al-Khorban. So amazingly enough, when we begin the Pesach Seder, the first thing we begin with is al Lechorban. The first thing we begin with is a remembrance of that which was. He then highlights another incredible idea, which I think is fascinating. He says that it's also possible, remember again, Aramaic was spoken even during the time of the second Beis HaMikdash. In fact, it was the vernacular. It was the common language of regular people. See, he says something so beautiful. I think this is his own Chiddush, but he says that it's possible that the phrase, is what people would say Erev Pesach in the shuk. They would go out to the marketplace, and what would you do? Remember again, if you have a carbon, if you have a carbon Pesach. So remember again, and you need you need a group, right? You need a habura because the goal is. Ideally, you don't want to have leftovers from your carbon pesach. That's, that's the ideal. So, therefore, again, you want to have enough people that you can finish off the carbon. So, what happens if I have a small chabura? I have a small group. So, again, what would I do? I would go into the marketplace on Ere pesach and I would announce, yei yei Is there anyone who is looking for a carbon pesach? Anyone who needs to be part of a chabura? Either way, the role of Halach Ma'anya is the same, right? Either way, at the end of the day, it is Zecher L'Churban. It is there to remind us of that which was. Either by lamenting the fact that I can invite last minute company if I want to, or by going ahead and remembering that which was said in the marketplace of Yerushalayim on Erev Pesach. So a very powerful way to begin ultimately, again, the Pesach And I just want to point out According to this approach, uh, that halach ma'anyo is the zeich is of the churban. So you notice something very interesting. If I were to ask you now, how is the Seder structured? What's the structure of the Pesach Seder? What would you say? What's the structure? This is everyone's first Pesach. Good, very exciting. What's, what's the structure of the Seder? Step. Steps. Good, excellent answer, right? Steps. What's the flow? What do, you, what do we start with? I, I don't mean like Kiddush. What, 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 uh, like conceptually, what do we start with? So we remember, we don't start with Kheros. We actually start with Avdos. Remember again, Maschil B'genos <laughs> O'Mesayim B'Shabach. The way the Seder is structured. And this is incredibly important because it helps. sometimes we do the different parts of the Seder, but we don't necessarily connect the pieces into a whole. The Seder is a progression. So amazingly enough, what I start with is which is really quite fascinating because the entire essence of Pesach, the entire, what, what's the entire, what's, what's my what's my obligation on the lev Haseder? What is my obligation? See but even more so, what's my real obligation? The goal, the obligation of Pesach night is to see myself as if I left Mitzrayim. One of the ways I accomplish that is through Sipor, right? Sipor, the, the goal is not only Sipor, the goal is to see this experience as if it's happening to myself. So amazingly, the, the progression is quite fascinating. The first thing I start with, according to this approach, the first thing I start with on the Lela Seder is actually not Mitzrayim. The first thing I start with is Zechel korban. Which is really incredible. So, the first thing I start with is there's no base Hamikdash. And I yearn and I pine for the base Hamikdash. And by the way, that, that's why the end of Halakh Ma'anya makes sense. Because what does the end of Halakh Ma'anya say? What does it say? Right? Hashataha, Chalashana <laughs> Abab, Ba'aradi Israel. Right? So, that, that's again, that's my goal. So, remember again, I go from Khurban, then I go into Yetias Misraim. Right? Then, then I go into the whole story, right? That's Magid. Those are series of Then I transition. What do I transition into? I go from Avdus to what? when does that switch happen? When do you flip the switch from avdus to cheiros and magid? Good, so it could be halal, it could also on the most basic level, it's the switch to matzah. Right, matzah at the end of the day, magid, matzah al ma, why do we eat matzah? Al shum shlo is piku because there wasn't enough time for the dough to rise. So matzah, matzah is when I begin cheiros. So I go avdus, I go into Kheros, and then remember again, what happens then? Then I go into the meal. What happens after the Sulu? What happens after Shulchan Orech in the Seder? What's the whole part of the Seder after Shulchan Orech? What is that all about? So yes, it's about Halal, praising the Baruchu But again, what's the Avoda? Of course, to thank the Rebana Sha'olam. But if you look carefully at the second part of the Seder, it's messianically oriented. So it's about Mashiach. It's about the future. Remember again, what do we pour right at the beginning of the, se- of, of the last part of the seder? Kosherio. What, what does Eliyahu have to? Again, in general, it's a kasha about what does Eliyahu and Navi have to do with the seder? Why? Why? Why does he get a cup of wine? And there's a, there's a whole discussion about this. What exactly the Kosherio is doing at the seder? It doesn't. Navi doesn't have a part in Pesach. You're right. Eliyahu doesn't have a part in Pesach. Eliyahu and Navi has a part in Mashiach. So there's an incredible progression. So we begin, Zechel the we then go into Avdus Mitzrayim, we then go into Kheirus Mitzrayim, freedom, we then enjoy our Suda, and then we speak about the Mashiach. But amazingly enough, what we just said, and then how does the Seder? and Chagadya, Chagadya, which is once again almost like a recap of everything. Chagadya is the story of Shibud, it's the story of suffering, the story of all these things, and then ultimately again, the story of Kheirus. So I'm just pointing out how incredible the real progression of the Seder is. Yes. So there's a whole disk in general, why do we do karpas? What's what's the message of karpas? So, salty tears. so good, salty tears good. I mean, yes, yes. But if you look in the gimara, the gimara in Ravipsogam brings. I no, I do karpas. I don't know what. What's the real reason that that, that helps with the salt water? Why do you do karpas? I'm sorry. How is the kheirus? So, dippy, okay, good. It could be a tibo for free people, good. Why else? So, bracha amar. But you could just easily do what? Make a bracha amar later on. You can make a hadam amar also. The Gemara says, actually, today's daf and daf yomi, the Gemara says, the only reason we do Karpa says the Gemara, is to do strange things to elicit questions from children. That, 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 according to the Gemara, according to the Gemara, that's how you do karpas. Now, the truth is, once we do it, we ascribe a whole number of, of various symbolisms to it as well. But I'm just pointing out, if you want to see from the Gemara, when the Gemara says that we do the tibol rishon on the first dipping, the Gemara says, Kedish Yishu just to get the children to ask. So, yes, now, yachatz, you're 100% right. Can you see the break? But even remember again, what do we say when we do yachatz? Nothing, 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 there's nothing. So I just want to point out, what's fascinating to see is, remember, we ascribe layers of symbolisms to all these things, which are incredible and beautiful. But if you peel it all back and you look at it, so for example, Yachatz, one of the reasons we do Yachatz, is again, Afikoman, but also, kadeshi Yishulat says a whole bunch of things that are done at the Sefer that Chazal instituted, just because they look strange, because they're out of the norm, and to keep the children and hopefully the adults engaged in the seder. Once we do it, we ascribe layers of symbolism to it. But if you think about it, again, the real kind of meat of the seder, right? The, you know, like, like the substance of the seder, really begins with halach Ma'anya. Yes. Why do we say halach the Beginning that this is this eat, right. we didn't it, we'll oh, so this, this is a excellent. So this is a whole discussion in matzah, right? Remember again, in the Torah, the first time we ever hear about matzah is where? First time we ever hear about matzah. What? Avram and? So does the Torah say they eat matzahs? No, right? Remember again, Rashi brings down that it was Pesach Matzah. Again, all that says, Ravram says, uh, right, Lushi um, va'asi ugos. So Rashi tells him Pesach was Matzah, fine. The first time a Torah discusses Matzah explicitly. So remember again, it's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives Moshe Rabbeinu the tzivui of karban Pesach. And then Hashem says to Moshe, no Meuchlu. So something fascinating about Matzah is the most confusing entity. Why? Because we often think, and we say this in the seder. Rabbi Gamliel says, "Right, why do we eat matzah? Because we left with such haste that there was no time to let the dough rise." There's only one problem with that, which is, as I just mentioned, that Rabbenu Shall Olam commanded us to eat matzah already on Seder night, or, or, or we will call it Pesach night. Right? There was already an obligation to eat matzah, or it's not a shot that we were supposed to eat, we we're supposed to take Karm Pesach on rolls, right? Or on a challah. But it just happens, everything happens, so we ate it on matzah. I'll just say something interesting about that in just a moment as well. Matzah was commanded by the Baruch even before we left. But again, even if we just go with the idea that matzah has its origins when we leave Mitzrayim, how does Halach Ma'anya say this is the bread of affliction that we ate in Egypt? We never see the Jewish people eating matzah in Egypt, so the Ramban. The Ramban says, an incredible Ramban, he says, we ate matzah for 210 years. Why? why, The best thing you could possibly feed a slave, a slave population is matzah. Why? Because anyone who eats matzah knows two things. Number one, it's cheap. Not shmurah matzah like we buy. But matzah is inexpensive. And what else does matzah do? It sits in your system for a very long time. So if you want to feed a slave nation inexpensively, Matzah is the way to go. So this, this Halach Ma'anya captures the essence, I mean, the Halach Ma'anya is before the Ramban, but captures this idea that apparently we were eating matzah already in Mitzrayim. For 210 years we are eating matzah. The amazing part about matzah is that the bread of affliction, the Halach Ma'anya, the bread that represented our slavery for 210 years, then becomes the very physical embodiment of our chirus. Which, which is part of the incredible so of Pesach in general, that that which is bitter can be the very thing which becomes bitter and represents your servitude, can become the very thing which represents your emancipation and freedom. Yes. So why is it Hashem all of these of massive changes? Are that's the Because because I would have thought without the Moshe Mitzvot. Remember again, by that time, Claudius we Yisrael weren't slaves anymore. Remember, pretty much once the Maccos started, we were no longer really enslaved. So I would assume that at that point time, they weren't eating matzah. They weren't eating matzah. They were probably eating. They were probably eating bread. Whatever they were eating. Yeah. So that's why right. has to say eat it on matzah. Just as an aside, by the way, I'll also point out. You know that their matzah did not look anything like our matzah, right? They're, see, how, how do you know that historically matzah was different? Remember again, so we, this is just as an aside, it's just fascinating, so we go ahead and we eat korech, right? Zechel mikdash Ken Osa Hilal, Bezman Shabes HaMikdash HaYakayim. So remember again, how would Hilal eat the matzah? He would eat matzah together with marr, together with Karben Pesach, right? So we go ahead and we make the korech, we make the sandwich of Hilal, even though we don't have the Karben Pesach. What goes through your mind when you eat the korech sandwich? Honestly, <laughs> Right, right, keep going, keep going, good, right? This is, who in a million years would ever put together a sandwich like this, right? You take one bite out of it, and what happens? Right, the whole thing is a mess. Like, it doesn't make any sense. That's because this mana Mikdash they had soft matzahs. They didn't have matzas like us. They had matzah that, for lack of a better term, was like a lafa. So now, by the way, it makes a lot of sense. Because think about it for just a moment. If you have matzah, Lafa and you have carbon pesach, and you have lettuce. What do you have? Shwarma, right? <laughs> you have. But again, in, in all sorts, that that's how they would eat. That's how Hilla would eat carbon pesach, and that's why it's called korech Korich doesn't mean a sandwich. You know what korech actually means? It's a wrap. A kricha is a wrap. So Hillel, it was a machlok, his hadi carbon pesach, but Hillel would literally take his soft matzah, his carbon pesach, his mar, which the Gimar's to use lettuce, Bahayah karchan, and he would roll it all up together. And now the sandwich actually makes sense. Sfardim still, some of them still use soft matzahs today. Ashkenazim, we don't have a masoda for soft matzahs, so in general, better for Ashkenazim not to use soft matzahs. But again, at least Bizmana miktash, it makes a bit more sense how things were done. Yes. Definitely, definitely. The, the, the Kidneyus, Gibrachs, those go? those are, remember, Kidneyus, Gibrachs, th- those are much later innovations, absolutely. There was no such thing as Kidneyus bismana mikdash. Yeah, uh, Ge- is even different, because Kidneyus, uh, Kidneyus is a halacha, gibrox is a minog, but there was no such thing like that during the times of the mikdash, absolutely, absolutely. Yes? So when did it become that stop, but have so When did it become? I don't know. I, I I don't know at what point in time it switched. I, I don't know. I don't know. Look, it's also, I would imagine, it's also harder to make soft matzahs that don't become chametz, you know? But again, I, I, I don't I don't know at what point historically that happened, I don't know. So anyway, so if we come back to Halakh ma'anya, to come back to So yes, excellent point, that here in Halakh ma'anya we're calling matzah the bread of affliction, even though the same matzah later on and just, you know, whatever, however long your Seder takes. But right in some amount of time later on, we get to where we go, that very matzah is not the bread of affliction, but rather, again, that matzah is the bread of redemption. So good. So now we understand that Halach Ma'an Yizram, is Zecher L'Chorban. Zecher L'Chorban, and ultimately, again, but remember, I was going to point out, in the realm of Beis HaMikdash Mourning, there's two different things. There's Zecher L'Chorban and Zecher lemikdash. What's the difference between the two? We often use it interchangeably, but halachically they're actually two different concepts. Difference between them? Excellent. So meaning and mikdash are our morning practices because we don't have a base hamikdash. So for example, the Minag, to leave an ama by ama square unfinished, which you see much less in Chutz La'aretz, but you see in Eretz Yisrael all the time. That is Zecher leMikdash, Zecher L'mikdash, excuse me. That's to remember that my Kedesh home is unfinished, my home is unfinished. Versus Zecher Mikdash are things that we do to awaken within us an anticipatory pining and yearning for the Beis HaMikdash. For example, the fact that we take lulav and esrach every day. Right? We take lulav and Esrik every day, even though technically speaking, the mitzvah is only on the first day. That's what they used to do in the Beis HaMikdash. They were taking the Be- lulav and esrach every day in the Beis HaMikdash, but not outside of the Beis HaMikdash. We do that today in order to awaken within ourselves a yearning and a desire for the Mikdash. I want to just point out that Halach Ma'anya, interestingly enough, has a little bit of both. On one hand, it has It right It reminds us of that which was done in the past. But if you look at the end, it also says, Lashana <laughs> Ababa Yisrael, also has a little bit of that eager anticipatory pining, emirat Hashem, for that which will be. So two other pieces I want to highlight with Halach Ma'anya. If you take a look at number three. At number three. So this is from Haggadah with the parish of Rabbi Soloveitchik. So he writes over here something beautiful. I think he's actually quoting from his grandfather, Rabbi Chaim. In this. So he says something amazing. Three out of. So he asked the question that we just discussed before. So Mr. asked the same question we just asked before, which is, why are we inviting you? We asked a little bit differently. See, we were asking, he's saying, is incredible. Hospitality is exceptional, important, great, very, very important. But Lamaisa, what does it have to do with Lala Seder? We compounded the question by saying, again, what does this mean that you're inviting someone? At the end of the day, you've already started your Seder. You've already started the process. So if this was a real invitation, shouldn't you be doing it a bit earlier on? And the Rav says something beautiful. He says, skip down to paragraph B's. Vinir Alomar, this is such an incredible insight. Venera Alomar, dihine eved, eno yachal lahachnis archim. This is incredible. If there's one thing that an evet can't do, he can't do achnasas archim. He can't engage in hospitality. Why not? Why not? He doesn't own anything. Remember again, to do hachnasas archim, you must have possessions. right? What does hachnasas archim mean? It doesn't just mean inviting someone into my home. Inviting someone into my home is, is very nice, but it means giving them something to eat, giving them something to drink, sharing what I have with another human being, with another Jew, that's achnasas arachim. And Rabbi Slavitch writes, he says, quotes the eved, ve'in So this is incredible. Remember again, there's a concept in halacha, even, even in even in halacha, of MaShekana eved, kana Whatever a slave acquires, the master acquires. The eved, a slave, has no what we call no yad doesn't have acquisitory powers. He can't own it. Why, why can't the slave own anything? Because he is a possession. Again, I wanna point out with this concept, this is a dinin avadim kinanim, not a dinin avadim ivrim. But nevertheless, again, conceptually, an evad can't own anything because an evad himself is owned. The evad himself is a possession and therefore he doesn't have the power of possession. Therefore, Mashe Kona evet kana You know, so again, an evet is walking on the street. He finds a hundred dollar bill. He picks it up. What's the status of hundred dollar bill? It belongs to his master. Literally, again, he doesn't have. You know, one of the most powerful kinyanim we have is kinyanyad, which means if I pick something up, I'm Kona it. I acquire it because my yad, my hand, is under my dominion. But an Eved doesn't have that power. So when an Eved picks something up, his Yad belongs to his Master. So his Yad is an extension of the Master. So Salvatric says something amazing. He says, if there's one thing an Eved can't do, it's hachnasas archim. So therefore, says so Rabbi something absolutely amazing. Velokhin, maschilim es ha bachnasas archim, v'omrim kol dichfin yeisevi excuse me, t'zeh derech chirus. Laharos Anu So says you're right. What's the goal of this? The goal of this is to demonstrate our freedom. Right? That's the entire essence of La Seder. I'm obligated to see myself as a free individual. How do I demonstrate that freedom? So the Rav posits, I demonstrate the freedom ultimately, again, by inviting guests. This is something I could not do for 210 years in slavery. But now that I'm a free person, I have the ability to engage in Achnosas archim Now, interestingly enough, so what's the problem with this approach? So remember, again, still I'm stuck with, this is very powerful. But according to this idea, when should I be doing Halach Ma'anyo? Right. Or if you were to, th- to play, right, why don't you do it before Kadesh, right? Uh, again, remember, it's hard to invite people in the middle of the Seder, right? Because remember, again, the Seder is a progression. It's a process. It's Dalet So remember, this important. The, the placement here is important. I've already done Kadesh, Orchats, Karpas, Yachats. Now the truth is the Karpas, yachats that's not really the big deal in this. The big deal in this is Kadesh. We've already started Kadesh. We've already done the first coast. So, this is a beautiful idea. I'm going to do Achnosis Archim to show that I'm free. But once again, once again, so why not do it before you even begin the Seder? So, the answer, of course, is because it's not meant to be literal. It's not meant to be a literal Achnosis Archim. What it is, is a metaphorical statement. And it's a, I think what Rabbi Selavitchik is saying is it's a two-fold statement. Part one is that, yes, I am free. And therefore, if I wanted to, I could invite guests. But there is, a deeper, there is a deeper message. What's the deeper message? I think the deeper message is the definition of freedom. What does it mean to be free? According to this approach, what does it mean to be free? What would you say? to be able to give. The definition of freedom is the ability to focus on the other. You see a slave, a slave is focused on one thing and one thing only, which is survival. That's it. It's just about getting through the day. The slave, doesn't really have the capacity for chesed, the slave doesn't have the capacity for tzdagah, the slave doesn't have the capacity for achmonah, for one simple reason, not because the slave is not good chesed shalom, not because the slave doesn't care, but because when you are fighting for your survival, every last bit of koach goes into that survival. The difference between avdus and chirus, avdus and chirus is the ability to go ahead and focus on the other. Have you ever heard of Viktor Frankl? You ever hear that name? Viktor Frankl was a survivor of Auschwitz. He, was, uh, he was, he's a well-known psycho, was a well-known psychotherapist, came up with a whole school of psychology called Logotherapy. So Viktor Frankl tells an incredible, incredible story. He's a survivor of Auschwitz. So he tells that when the Nazis left Auschwitz, so they just, they just picked up and left. There's just a whole bunch of people sitting around, I mean, this is before the Russians arrive, having absolutely no idea what's going on Shell shocked. Shellshock. Can't even imagine the carbon Piles of bodies and a disease everywhere. So Viktor Frankl tells a story that they found like a storehouse with like clothing and stuff. So they, a bunch of survivors, they're there sitting around. They make a fire. They make a fire to warm themselves up. Somebody got up, they say, right. he writes, he writes in such graphic imagery. He says, the window is cracked. Someone put a board on the window to just steal off the draft. They're sitting around the fire and he says something amazing happened. Someone took out their bread And he began to share it with everyone around. So Frankl said, in that moment, I knew we were free. He said, because the law of the lager, the law of the camps was eat your bread and eat your friend's bread too, if you can. The law of the camps was survive, 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 survive. That's it. He said, in that moment, when we began to share bread, he said, then I realized we were free. It's such a powerful idea because the slave is consumed by his survival. The slave is consumed by his survival. And therefore, the slave has no not no capacity, but the slave doesn't usually have the bandwidth for the focus on the other. Therefore, again, the moment that I'm able to think about someone else, the moment I'm able to share my bread and ouchness, and the moment I'm able to go and think about inviting someone into my home, That's demonstrative of freedom. But according to this approach, it's not a real invitation. And again, it's clear that it's not a real invitation. Because again, remember, if it was a real invitation, then what? Then what? Then again, you would be doing this at the beginning of the Seder. That's clear. So clearly what's happening over here is is this is not a literal invitation, but it's a message. And what's the message? The message is the definition of freedom is the ability to live beyond yourself. A slave is egocentric. A slave is self-centered. A slave is focused on the self. A slave can't see past his immediate circumstances. By the way, what's the greatest proof that a slave can't see past his immediate circumstances? Even think about from Mitzrayim. Where do we see this? That a slave can't see past his immediate circumstances? I'm sorry? So first of all, did, men didn't want to have children. Excellent. They could not see a future. Where else? Excellent. Remember again, when Moshe Rabbeinu comes with the message of redemption, what does the pasuk say? Someone comes and tells you you're going to go free. Someone comes and tells you you're going to have a destiny, you're going to have Eretz Yisrael. you're going to get out of here, you're going to build a nation. You would think everybody would line up, sign me up, I, I can't wait. They, they, they couldn't. It's not the shot that they heard it and they didn't believe it. Velo shamu means what? They didn't listen. Or perhaps better stated, they couldn't listen. A slave is focused on survival. Get through the day. There's no more capacity than that. And therefore, what the Agud is telling us is what's the true demonstration of freedom? The truest demonstration of freedom is the ability to think about someone other than yourself. Other than yourself, you know, it's an amazing thing. What do we do? There's a beautiful minute at Leila Seder. Right? Who pours your cup of wine at the Leila Seder? Someone else, somewhere else. So we like to say that, of course, it's because of cheiros, right? I'm a free person, so I have a butler. Who's my butler? <laughs> no, the person sitting next to me is like, so that. so that, that's true. That's definitely demonstrative of cheiros, but there's also a profound thing happening over here. I'm pouring you wine. They're gonna pour me wine. We're gonna do for each other because one of the most profound aspects of freedom is the ability to think beyond yourself. Slaves could only focus on themselves. The true definition of freedom is the ability to think beyond yourself and to think about the other. That's the I want to think about the other, I want to give to the other. And again, is it a literal invitation? No, but I'm making a statement about what it means to be free. And with my newfound freedom that I experienced at the Leila Seder i'm going to make a difference not just in my life but i'm going to try to do something to make a difference in the life of someone else also because that's really what it means to be free one last approach with this will conclude I, I put actually the wrong source on. in number two it's actually a beautiful piece you can see number two is a section from a piece from rev cook on the haggadah you'll look at that on your own i want to share with you actually something a little bit different so ravi Merelau has a beautiful parish on the haggadah called Yachel Yisra, and he addresses, he addresses the question that one of you raised, I don't remember who raised it, about what does this mean when we say, Hashota Avdi Lashana Haba B'nei Chorin. This year I'm a slave, right next year, next year I'm free. Okay, that, that works well if I'm a slave, what if I'm not a slave? And again, he asks a more global question. Think about this case in just a moment. We say two things at the end: "Hashata Abdi L'shanabal Bnei or "Hashata L'shanabal Hachal L'shanabal This year we're here. Next year, Eretz Yisrael. This year I'm a slave. Next year, next year I'll be free. What's strange about that wording? I we free now. I'm sorry. I thought was we we So first of all, aren't we free now? Good, good, excellent. What else? Okay, what happened, right? I said it last year, what about the good? What else? What about just the phrasing of it? Remember again, obviously the goal over here is to create a contrast. This year I'm here, next year it's Israel. This year I'm a slave, next year free. If you were writing it and you wanted to create a contrast, how would you write it? I'm sorry? would you write it the other way around? In what sense? Meaning, put the positive first. Oh, good, good, excellent. What, good? What about the year thing? If you were trying to create, if you were trying to create a contrast, how would you write it? In other words, why this year, next year? Why not what? Why not tomorrow? (laughs) Right, isn't the whole Yesod of the Seder, Yeshua, Hashem, Karathayin? Right, Is, 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 I'm sorry? Why not tonight, right? In other words, but even if you want to go tonight, right? Even if you want to give ne- this year, next year, remember again, think about this in just a moment, right? When we think about the expectation of messianic arrival, how, how do we how do we gear our expectations for Mashiach? Achak Elo, how? Bechol Yom So there's an interesting idea over here that here we write, this year we're here, next year in Eretz Yisrael. This year I'm a slave. And by the way, you, you understand, of course, everybody is a slave to something. Everybody is a slave to something. Some people are a slave to their careers. Some people are a slave to money. Some people are a slave to technology. Some people are slaves to other people's opinion. Some people are slaves to the Sahara. Everybody's enslaved by something. And all of us are looking for emancipation from those things to which we are enslaved. But again, why frame it this year, next year? Why not go ahead and just frame it again now and tomorrow? And Rabbi Lau says something so incredibly beautiful. He says another message of the Seder, which is really incredible because so much of everything you need to know in the Pesach Seder is in Halach Ma'anya, which is, which is really incredible. So Rabbi Lau says something beautiful. He says the entire essence of Pesach and the entire essence of the Seder is that change is possible. Change is possible. You know, you look at the Jewish people who were slaves for 210 years. So to the average outsider, once we were a slave for 210 years, what would the average outsider have said about Claudius Yisrael? No. They're always going to be slaves, right? Once a slave, always a slave. Once a slave, always, 200 days of servitude, but something amazing happened. Change is possible. And the entire essence of the Seder is that change is possible. Maschil beginos. <laughs> That's the entire the bread of affliction. The halach ma'anya becomes the very, very bread of salvation and freedom. But Rabbi Lau says something so profound: change is possible, but more often than not, although instantaneous change is possible, more often than not, change is gradual, and this is incredibly important. Instantaneous change is possible. After all, again, Ribbon Shalom redeemed us in one night. That's what it means Yeshua HaShem In one moment we're slaves, the next moment we're free. Instantaneous change is possible, but gradual change is more probable. You hear this distinction? Instantaneous change is possible, but gradual change is probable. And this is so incredibly important. Because that's what he says. This year I'm enslaved. What am I enslaved to? Whatever. You fill in the blank. All of us are enslaved to something. This year I'm enslaved. Next year. Now, could it be that I become free in a moment from now? Is that possible? Is it possible by the time the Savior is over, I am free from whatever is enslaving me? Is it possible? Absolutely. Is it probable? No. Right? The probability is that in order for me to free myself from the things which enslave me, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a little bit of time. Is it possible that when I go ahead and I open up the the Yonah, he's going to be there and bring Mashiach and bring me back to Yisrael? Definitely possible. Definitely possible. Halabai, that's probable as well. But more often than not, change is gradual. Change is gradual. And change takes time. And Rabbi Elal posits, this is the message, of the end message of Halach Ma'anyo. The end message is instantaneous change is possible. After all, again, that's what we're celebrating on the night of Pesach. But more often than not, when looking at a model of change, gradual change is the more probable model. And this is incredibly important. It's important for us in our own process of change, because so many times there are things in ourselves we want to change, and we want to change them now. And we become frustrated when I can't change it now, but we have to realize that on a personal level, change is gradual, and even on a national level, We've been waiting 2,000 years for Mashiach, and we will keep waiting. But change is gradual. That's the Hashata HaCha, Instantaneous change is possible, but gradual change is more probable, both as individuals as well as a class. So it turns out. That in this little paragraph of Halach Ma'anya, pretty much anything and everything you need to have a successful Pesach Seder is encaptured in this one paragraph. Number one, Zecha Lechorban. We remember that which we have, but we must always remember it. Every arosh simcha senu. We must always remember our Beis HaMikdash, not to shed a tear per se, but to awaken within us an excitement. If you don't remember, you can't get excited, especially now that I described to you what Matzah and what Karim Pesach is going to look like. It's going to be a shawarma. Right now, it's only even more to look forward to So number one, HaBach is there to invigorate and to excite us about the Number two, Halach teaches us that the truest definition of Kheros is the ability and the mandate to think beyond ourselves and to think about the other. And number three, Halach teaches us that as much as instantaneous change is possible, gradual change is more probable. All right, we'll stop over here. I wish all of you a chag, kasher, v'sameh.